What do you call a dragon with heartburn? Bad news for the nearest village. No, wait, I hit the wrong thing. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine from the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios. The first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner, gives me street cred. With the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right, very good. Well, good to see you, old buddy. Glad to be here. A little uh, more calm this week than it was last week. That's always good. Yeah. And uh, we're, this is uh, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. Excellent. Yep. Good stuff. Cooking my ass off. So I guess the deal is now uh, Liam and his girlfriend have been together so long that now we're doing joint Thanksgiving oh, with her parents yeah, yeah, yeah. and her brothers and sisters and stuff. We we love them though. We went on vacation with them. I told I told my son's girlfriend's dad because we're like best friends at this point that we cannot allow our relationship to be held hostage by two 18 year olds <laughs> and the whims of whatever who well, I don't like him no more or you know that yeah. kind of stuff we can't have that because he's my ham radio buddy we, oh is he oh that. yeah okay, oh yeah okay, cool. yeah we um I've been looking for somebody like this for the last, I don't know, 20 years that I can hang out with. We can talk ham radio. But not only that, listen to this nerd ass shit that we do. So we pack up. I've got in there, in the other room, I've got these cases, you know, those sort of go cases, military go cases. Mm -hmm. They're filled with uh, sealed 25 milliamp hour batteries and uh, these... uh, patch panels called Anderson Power Poles that I made. Okay. And we can go out to a park and we it's called activating a park through a through a group called Parks on the Air. 
And you go out there and then you say, uh, you know, CQ Poda, CQ Parks on the air. This is, you know, whatever your call sign is. Mm-hmm. And you will get 20 people calling you at once. It's really exciting. It's kind of like you're in a, in a foreign land because mm-hmm. they'll get those. It's called a pileup. <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> In the sense, and and then you write all their call signs and the date and the time and the report that you gave them, and then, I, okay, I, so, I get it. This so is a group of nerds is called a pile up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it doesn't sound. It's not what it sounds like. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not uh-huh. that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know this is just. Um... God damn, this is about as boring okay, okay, as okay, sex okay. with uh, my wife. I get it. Well, anyway, he's my my buddy, and uh, so we we're not. I'm hoping that unless my kid does something just egregious, because you know how it is, then you got to support your kid. If they just break up through attrition, then we'll still be friends. So right. I'm hoping we can keep that going. <laughs> But I, it, I'd be fine if they got married. I'm telling you, I, I would be totally fine with it. How funny! Isn't that crazy? It is bizarre. <sighs> Little Liam, who used oh, to no. do the East Side Dave stuff, mm. and that, um, I don't know, have I played this thing in a while? It's been a while. Where uh, Liam wow. did that promo for uh, Ashley Madison. You remember Ashley Madison? They were that Is company. this the one where they bleep out those cuss words? Yeah, I bleeped out a bunch of yeah, cuss no, this, words. Yeah, play that because that's hilarious. Okay, let me see. That is oh. the best. And I've got a good, I've got a good question from Talk Like a Hick to you. Okay, okay, hang on. We'll get to it. In a minute. I think I, I think I found it. So cool. let's see here. Um, <laughs> let me see. This is so ridiculous. I love this. This is great. <laughs> when my mom is a, b- my daddy is at AshleyMedicine.com. There you can. B- Lots of other women. When I grow up, I'm going to be an Ashley Madison man. Because my daddy's raising me without any moral compass whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Madison, find your lovers here. Why exactly are we singing this? <laughs> daddy, what's a rotisserie? <laughs> so, anyway, I'll give Lynn. <laughs> so now that cute little kid... And I would say things like, uh, just say when my when my mom's being a poop or something, and then I'd beep, beep it out, and it sounds like he's saying something else. Yep. You know? It was so much fun. I don't want to over-explain it like a magic trick. You, no. Anyway. Just leave it for what it is. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but yeah, that kid may be getting married, so that's crazy. Well, not for a while. Okay. I hope you're right, but it, you, you know, who knows? They're babies. I know. I'm telling you, dude. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, but I wouldn't mind it. Yep. I mean, I uh, yes, I would prefer that they wait till they get through college. She's got to rush a f- sorority and all that stuff. And God, yeah, that yeah. that might be the end of their relationship at that point. If she starts making him go to those sorority parties and yeah. stuff because he's not into that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll keep you all. I know everybody's on the you know uh, on the edge of their chair, wondering what's going to happen with Liam's r- romance. Yeah. Check out stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com. And I'm going to put this up on the thing right now with Dr. Scott. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. You got anything up there now? 
Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. You still have it, though, right? Still have it, yeah. You, okay, but you have things to sell, right? Yes. Okay. Nothing right. new, though. And then check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. It's, uh, right now, it is uh, Tacy and me. And uh, people were demanding the return of Tacy, but she can't do it on the time when Scott and I record this. So it's mm. completely separate. All new content, plus I'm putting up, I put up the funniest fucker in the Tri-Cities competition, the whole thing from beginning to end, and with uh, Shuli Agar and uh, uh, a bunch of different people who did, um, uh, were judges, and we had nine contestants. It was the best, I think, comedy event we did. And what you can't tell from that is, and I said this at the beginning, I said you, to the audience, you all gave me a freaking heart attack, because... Oh, that um, must be what fail is your phone. That's what it was. <laughs> Hang on. Hey, we were just talking about you. You're on Weird Medicine. Can you... Oh, hey, can you put some money in my thing? <laughs> I need okay, I'll put money in there. As long as you say, Daddy, what's a rotisserie? What's rotisserie? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Very good. All right, I'll put some in. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hilarious. Just wanted to hear the difference. Oh, I know. So, uh, yeah, I said, you all gave me a heart attack. I think we sold three tickets, and then we had uh, 220 show up. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was a, a venue that only allowed 180. So it was packed in there. It was great. It was a great event. Anyway, yep. so we've got that on there. But check that out, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. There's... Things you get if you hang around long enough, and we've got a real cheap uh, tier structure. So, anyway. All right. Sounds good. All right. Very good. Well, um, happy Thanksgiving, Dr. Scott, the one holiday that we haven't seemed to just completely F up. And now that they're not doing, uh, well, they did kind of F it up with all of this, uh, oh, we're going to open our doors at midnight crap. Oh, yeah. So that you can buy a TV for $79, and all the rest of them are, you know, regular price. Yep. Or whatever BS. I don't get it. And, uh, but thanks to COVID, I, I hear that they're not doing that. So mm-hmm. another good thing uh, that we can thank COVID for. <laughs> That's right. Because that, that was ruining Thanksgiving. You know, you, you do all this prep. I mean, I'm cooking all day today. I have to work tomorrow. I have to work on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And you do all this work cooking, and then it's, you know, everybody sits down and eats, and five minutes later, everybody's pushing away from the table because they've just eaten so much. <clears throat> and then you watch a movie or something, then you got to get up and then go and stand in line at, you know, that place that rhymes with schmest by. <laughs> it rhymes with best by. Lishmai. Yeah. And uh, you end up. Um, going there and standing in line at midnight and then fighting the crowd and stuff. Have you ever done that? Hell no. No, I've done it. I can't even imagine. That's what you have Amazon for. Exactly. I can't even imagine. In my opinion. So anyway. I cannot imagine. In in there with all this insanity, I just can't imagine. But you know, the thing I hate about the most is like you described, that's kind of the best part about Thanksgiving is being able to hang out with your with your crew, yeah, and just just do nothing. Well, if you're going to go out at midnight, you can't even drink. No, except no. people do. They and do. Then it's, it makes it even worse. Yep. Yeah. So they're tired, drunk, <laughs> and then <laughs> all everybody's running for that one it's thing. One seventy nine dollar TV. I know it. 
Anyway. I'd rather right. give you $79 and keep the TV. But just go on Amazon. <laughs> go to stuff.drsteve.com and do all your shopping there. That's right. All right. Very good. Well, listen, um, we didn't get to do a whole lot of show prep this week because uh, of our jobs, but we have a ton of phone calls to get to, and we've got some people in the chat room might ask a question or two for people who are listening to this uh, delayed. Um, you can usually catch us around 3.30, 4 o'clock on Wednesdays, and uh, if you just follow my Twitter, at Weird Medicine, I'll put out a notice, and then you can come in and uh, check out the show ahead of time while we're doing it. And you get to hear all the times I have to stop and whiz or uh, <laughs> those old prostates. <laughs> take, yeah, take Both a phone of our call or whatever. Are getting older. Well, I'll tell you, my prostate's still pretty damn good. I, I piss maybe twice a day. Oh, yeah. And I've got a friend of mine who you know very well mm-hmm. who literally pisses every 15 minutes. He's like, dude, I am never going on a road trip with you. <laughs> That's because he has the world's largest prostate. He does. It is <laughs> clinically unbelievably proven. huge prostate. That's not good. Anyway. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, I had uh, our, our buddy Stacy Deloach, who I guess we can name him again. Former it's buddy. Been, it's been long enough. <clears throat> He's been sending us some show prep stuff. And uh, one of them was this thing. Uh, he sent me a 10 weird but real medical conditions. So I thought we could run through a few of these, then we'll take some phone cool. calls. Cool, cool, cool. Um, this one is called the walking corpse syndrome. And it, what I'd like for you to do, Dr. Scott, sure. if you would, when I name these, okay. go on, uh, go online. Gotcha. And then uh, see if you can find the ICD-10 code for these. All you do is you put in walking corpse syndrome space ICD-10 and see if it comes with a, up with a code. I got you. Because there is one for ghost hand. I know that. I've seen that. I still don't know what ghost hand exactly gotcha. is. Gotcha. But it says um, for people with this condition, uh, oh, Entertainment like cable TV's Walking Dead may be too close for comfort. Very clever. Also known as Cotard syndrome. Okay, there you go. That one I bet you can find an ICD-10 for. It's C-O-T-A-R-D. Yep, got it. Already got it. Uh, it is a neuropsychiatric disorder in which a person believes they are dead or missing their soul, organs, blood, or certain pro- body parts. Okay, I know what this is. I've actually seen this. Cotards has been recognized a component of psychiatric illness such as depression, but neuroimaging is also linked some cases of cotards. Sounds like an epithet, like you're calling somebody a name. <laughs> I'm not saying it. To, to neurological change. You cotard. Cotard you. <clears throat> so um, because the condition is so rare, it's been difficult to pinpoint the mechanism that causes it. Uh, patients can also spontaneously experience complete recovery, even in severe cases. I believe that this is a manifestation of um, a thing called uh, conversion syndrome. That, or okay. that, that would be my guess. But anyway, what did you find that on makes, Cotard syndrome? That makes sense. Yeah, it's a F, F22. Ooh, okay. F22 did, is the diagnosis code. Did it give any uh, details about it? A little bit. It, 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 pretty much exactly what you just said. So this Pollution. is a billable yeah. thing. And, and, it, and if I was going to put it in the chart, I think walking corpse syndrome sounds more fun <laughs> than Cotard syndrome. And I'll do that in my charts. So um, uh, if I have someone with intractable hiccups, the medical name for hiccup is Singultus. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'll put intractable singultus and just make people go, what the F is that? And then make them look it up. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> fun. Well, hey, so, so F22, it's, it's also applicable to, to, and this kind of fits right in, delusional dysmorph, dif, uh-huh. dysmorphophobia. Yeah. Uh, paranoia. Paranoia. It is, a dislu- it is a delusion. Yeah. It is a delusion. And it's a delusional dysmorphia. In other words, uh, they're having this delusion that they've lost, that their heart has been removed from their body. And that's not true. So that means it's a delusion. Mm-hmm. And then dysmorphia just means, you know, something about that's wrong about the body. I think my ex-wife had this. Sipped her heart had been removed. <laughs> she just never was born with one. She wasn't even born with one. That's right. She was born without. She, she had a lump of coal in her. <laughs> she was something. Woohoo! <clears throat> I see why you married her, though. Gosh, She's dang relatively yeah. attractive. Came with a price. Yep. <laughs> and it always does, my friend. It always does. So, uh, yeah, Cotard syndrome. So uh, this one is foreign accent syndrome. Now, I've heard of this, have never seen it. This is a rare condition that causes people to develop a foreign accent. Disorder is caused by damage to a part of the brain associated with speech. No kidding. Uh, Stroke is the most common cause. Trauma, tumors, and other neurologic conditions such as multiple sclerosis can cause patients to begin speaking with a different accent. And it, it says the accent usually isn't very good, and native speakers can recognize that it's not authentic. So it's not like people wake up and all of a sudden this Cockney accent that they have is because they've been inhabited by the ghost of a Cockney person. I'm sure that's what they thought back in medieval ages. And what was the name of the disease? This is called foreign accent syndrome. Oh, my God. Hang on, I got now, we have a friend that when she gets wasted. Uh-oh. What was Uh-oh. that? I don't know what that was. And when she gets wasted, our friend Julie calls her foreign language Wendy. <laughs> she starts talking, and it's un- impossible to understand anything that she says. But uh, yeah, foreign accent syndrome. So you go, you have a stroke, and you wake up, and it's like, "Hello, mate." Hello, know? mate. <laughs> That's that is hilarious. They were showing a thing with these kids. I guess there was a game that that. Um, from Britain that I guess a lot of the, the younger kids are getting and are playing and now they're picking up this weird British accent. Oh, really? Yeah, the little kids are, so they'd like to oh, say, because oh, they're playing the game. That's funny. That's the game, so that's hilarious. Well, I've learned a lot from watching both uh, uh, Love Island, the UK version, mm-hmm. and um, the British Great British Baking Show, which there they call the Great British Bake Off. Not sure why they call it something different. When they did the Great American Baking Show, it still had Paul Hollywood on it. Okay. But now the instead of having Noel and Matthew, they've got Baby Spice and a football player whose first name is Spice, and I can't remember his name. Oh, gosh. And uh, it's like just we, American audiences or eating, <laughs> no pun intended, eating up greatest British, Great British Baking Show, we can tolerate Noel and Matthew. You don't have to put unfunny people in there. Right. And uh, they made the recipes a lot easier for these people. And uh, they called, instead of calling biscuits biscuits, they call them cookies. 
And I know Paul Hollywood is, uh, you know, choking every time he calls a what they would call a biscuit a cookie. But anyway, <laughs> but um, I can't remember why I was bringing that up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, oh, I, yes, I do remember. I've kind of learned what an Essex accent is and a Manchester accent and all these different regional accents <laughs> in uh, the U.K. It's very interesting. Okay. Cool. So anyway, Liverpool. All right. The Jumping Frenchman of Maine. This condition is named after a group of French-Canadian lumberjacks who worked in the northern Maine in the 1870, also known as hyper—oh, I don't think that's right—hyperexplexia. That doesn't seem right. Hyperexplexia. Look that up. H-Y-P-E-R-E-K-plexia. Okay. It involves an extreme reaction to stimuli that causes uncontrollable jumps and startle-induced falls. This is like the you know the falling goats and jumping goats and stuff. Mm-hmm. The syndrome can often be effectively treated with benzodiazepines. That's Valium, Xanax, um, uh, or other words, diazepam, elprazolam, lorazepam, which is Ativan. A drug class used to treat anxiety and seizures by slowing down the nervous system. Well, that's a pretty simplistic explanation of how they work, but yeah, okay. That's interesting. Or maybe these people are just anxious as F because they're lumberjacks working in northern Maine in the 1870s. But I don't know. Hmm. Did you find anything on that one? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the hyperexplexia. Hyperexplexia. I've never seen a K in front of a P like that I, in a, in medicine. No, I haven't either. Hyperexplexia. Yep, it shows up. Um, does it? Okay, yeah. yep. No, it sure does. Yeah, I'd never heard of it either. Yeah, uh, okay. Rare hereditary neurologic disorder may affect infants as newborns prior or prior to birth in utero, so they're just kicking the shit out of their mom in, in utero. Hmm. Uh, it may also affect children and adults. Uh, individuals with this disorder have an excessive startle reaction. Okay, my wife has this. Oh, yeah. She knows I'm in the house, and I'll walk up behind her, and she'll startle and go, oh, you scared me. It's like, who did you think it was? (laughs) So anyway. Interesting. I'd like to know the the etiology or entomology, or no, entomology's bug, right? The Hmm. um, origin of that EK... uh, that ek term and that word but that's that's me that's we'll go on how about dr strangelove syndrome Ooh. you remember dr strangelove he couldn't control his hand that sounds like dr steve syndrome no that was from the classic 1964 <laughs> no, film and it's called alien hand syndrome from time to time when the hand is engaged the affected hand may hop in and try to interfere with that hand or do something counter to it now i'm going to guess before i read any further this has to do with a separation of the right brain from the left so that um, the right brain or the left brain is controlling the other hand and it's not speaking to the other brain so it doesn't know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually the Okay, so it says this is usually the result of a tumor, stroke, or surgery that affects, aha, mm-hmm. I'm going to give myself one of these. Alpha Bill. The corpus callosum. Corpus so callosum, the corpus right. callosum is Center the, the that's right, it is the uh, tissue well, it's the nerve bundle that connects the right and left brains. That's the only way they yep. communicate. They're completely separate except at the bottom and through the corpus callosum. So they, they communicate that right. way. And uh, when you separate someone's corpus callosum, if you all want to read something interesting, read about people who have had their corpus callosum um, uh, removed. And what, what, what 
they can do some experiments with them because mm-hmm. the right side of the brain is mute. The left side of the brain speaks. Mm-hmm. So the right side of the brain cannot speak at all. You, mm-hmm. It can draw and it can see things better than the left side. Can I stop you for two seconds? Yes, before of course. You, before you get much further. Yeah. And what, what, what they can look it up is an epileptic. People who have terrible epilepsy. Sometimes they'll yeah. actually cut the, the, the They'll cut it. They'll yeah. sever it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, when they do that, the yeah. right and left brains can't speak anymore right. to each other anymore. And what they can do is they can isolate what uh, what side of the brain is seeing certain stimuli. And they'll show them a picture of a horse. Mm-hmm. And they can't name it. Right. But then when they show them with the other side of the brain, um, or with both of the eyes open, they can pick out what they saw. And then they can name it, which is really interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, the right side um, is, if you want to do a neat experiment with the um, right side of your brain, uh, do this. This is a fun picture. Take a, a picture of a, of a human being, just a headshot. And particularly if you're not an artist. Go ahead and draw. Try to draw that the best you can, and get a group of people to do this. It's this really a fun kind of party trick, and uh, you take take your time, take as much time as you want. Now, get another piece of paper, put that, flip that picture over so you can't see it anymore. The um, the the one that you drew, and now take the portrait of the, or the you know the picture that you're drawing, the headshot, and flip it upside down. Now draw it again. And then when you're done, what you're going to do is uh, is flip out, flip over the other picture and compare it to the one that you just drew with the headshot turned upside down. And it's unbelievable. It's order of magnitude, orders of magnitude better. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Crazy. It's a really, it, you know, <laughs> nobody does... Um, things like this anymore at a party but it would it's a would be a fun party thing if you've got a group of nerds that want to try something like this right and it's stunning i took a class called drawing on the right side of the brain and that was the first exercise and we had to draw a baby's head and what happens is when it's right side up the left side of the brain starts going oh i know that's a nose well here's how you draw a nose it's a circle with two holes or whatever Mm -hmm. you know whatever your icon is for a nose Whereas when you flip it upside down, the left brain disengages because it can't make sense of it. And the right brain will draw the shapes. And any good artist will tell you that the proper way to draw something like that is not to interpret it, but to draw the shapes. And you have to be able to see those shapes and be able to draw them properly. The right right side of the brain can do that perfectly. Wow. So I got to the point in this class where um, I had to draw a picture of my hand and it's uh, if i can find it here i'll show it to you it's photorealistic wow but it was such a pain in the ass it was like cool okay i did that i'm never doing it again i didn't want to become an artist but it was a really neat thing to see uh how the different sides of the brain work wow yeah so when we're done if if i can find it i'll I'll post it online that'd be cool all right and let's do we'll do one or two more of these then we'll get out of here alice in wonderland syndrome uh, in Lewis Carroll's 1865 fantasy novel, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the main character experiences magical transformations such as shrinking and expanding. This neurologic syndrome, also called Todd's syndrome, oh God, double vasectomy, Todd's <laughs> syndrome, usually pre- prevents. Uh, you, I always thought that Todd's syndrome, uh, never mind. 
I was going to make a joke about all the penis tattoos on his arm, but nobody remembers that anymore. Uh, usually re- uh, represents a migraines that distort the perception of size and distance. Episodes which can last up to an hour involve seeing objects or people as very big, very small, or further away than they actually are. Jesus. Hmm. People can also experience hallucinations as well as an inaccurate sense of time passing either very slowly or very quickly. Typically affects young children and can occur, aha, at the onset of sleep. Wow. Okay. So what is it called when, um, when it's the onset of sleep, Dr. Scott? When you have a sleep disorder oh, uh, during. <laughs> no, I don't want to. You can tell them. Oh. I don't know the answer. I'm waiting. You got it? Hypno. Hypnogogic. Oh, very Give good. Give yourself a thank thank you. Yeah, Yes, you. hypnogogic is when you're initiating sleep. Hypnopompic is when you're coming out of sleep. Gotcha. Thank so you. So hypnogogic things are weird shit like this, or you feel like you're getting kicked in the face with a, with a soccer ball. We talked about this once before. So I yeah. played, yep. I played, you know, uh, UK football, a.k.a. soccer. <laughs> <laughs> and you played baseball. Yep. So when I have a hypnopompic effect or a hypnogogic episode, it's usually a startle uh, episode as I'm falling asleep. I'll either feel like I've just fallen down a flight of stairs or it'll be someone kicking a soccer ball in my face. Yep. And I wonder when it happens to you if you perceive it as someone throwing a uh, baseball in your face. Yeah, actually, it's always it's always the exact same thing. I'm I'm batting and the ball's coming at my head and I flinch. Yeah, and that wow. Yep. Yep. So it is. It's related to uh, I guess our experiences. Yep. Experiential. I'd like to do a damn study on that. Yeah, yeah, because I've never had a soccer ball come at me or a football or yeah. a basketball. I've never or had a football. Ball. You know, nothing like that. It's always a baseball. Always a baseball. People who are listening to this, if you want to call in, we'll just do an informal poll. Mm-hmm. And if you found that what we just said resonates with you, let us know, because I'd really be interested in in, in uh, doing a very informal study on that. Because that's interesting, isn't it? The, the um, episodes are universal. Everybody has these. Yep. But they're customized based on our previous experience. Kind of neat. Kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. All right. And then the last one uh, we'll do for today is geographic tongue. And I know that there's a, a ICD-10 on this because I've diagnosed this multiple times. It's an oddly named syndrome involves psoriasis-like symptoms of the mouth, in which harmless but potentially painful lesions uh, develop on the tongue. Red and white patches are often surrounded by a slightly elevated border. Resembling, resembling irregularly shaped geographic masses on a map. That's why it's called that. So we use geographic in um, in uh, medicine any, to, di- to describe anything that is kind of map-like or irregular in its borders. So if you have a geographic border to a mole, that's a sign to get it checked out. Mm-hmm. Nice, smooth, you know, spherical mole. Those are very rarely, if ever, malignant but if it's geographic, you know, irregularly bordered and then, you know, irregularly colored, uh, then that's something that you want to get checked. And I, so yeah, go I, ahead. I was just going to say, but geographic tongue to us is totally different because we'll look at those where the um, those things are on the tongue and, mm-hmm. and kind of help us get an idea where, where there may be something wrong in the, in the body. Yeah. So in other words, if it's... So you guys are looking at the papillae. Right. 
of yeah, the tongue. And, and we look at the the coating, the coating of the tongue. Mm-hmm. So if it's splotchy, that, that tells us one thing. If it's, it's really thick, that's another. You know, then someone's got a lot of you know phlegm or, or cough or congestion or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. how we treat um, a lot of disorders by uh, by using a geographic tongue to help us figure out where to look. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's actually, yeah, it's in, in, in a good. Well, and this one uh, can be st- stress, allergies, hormones. Yes, check, check. I can nutritional deficiencies. I can explain all those, yeah. yeah think about hormones, Dr. Steve. It, we'll see people do- with um, with um, what we call a yen deficiency. Um, the tongue will actually be, will be really red with no coating, kind of thin a yen scalp. deficiency, yen as in yin and yang? Yes, in yin and yang. And what you'll do is you'll, it's uh, hot flashes in a lot of, a lot of females. Sure. Really? Yeah, I'll show it. I'll show What's you. the yin that they're deficient in? What is that? That's the air conditioning side of your body. It's just hormones. Huh. Just hormones. Interesting. Hormone deficiency. Sounds like horse <laughs> hockey. Say it. It's okay. Say it. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> now, we have uh, several other of these to do, but we'll do, you know, let's save them for next time. Sure. You want to take some phone calls? Let's do it. All right. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Do you have anybody in the chat room that has a question that they would like answered? Well, we've got Sean, mm-hmm. who uh, I guess had an ex-wife like I've got. <laughs> What's that? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a couple of people talk about some uh, strange accents that are um, kind of fascinating. And um, so, so, I'm gonna no, no questions I see. Okay, this no is what I'm going to do yeah, no is when I get, because uh, I did a, um, a promo for a show called The Karloff, which is on the uh, uh, Cardiff Electric Podcast Network, and uh, I did sort of that typical Eastern European fake accent, you know, oh, <laughs> scary kids, <laughs> the, you know, that one. And uh, I don't know if the reverb comes through on the OBS side, but let me see. Oh, that I don't know. Yeah. Oh, scary kids, which is really, that's Paul Flaherty, or Joe Flaherty. Joe or Paul from SCTV when he used to do uh, uh, Count count somebody, Count Floyd, I think it was. But anyway. How funny. And, uh, yeah, so he did that. But, you know, everybody can do that accent, but I don't think it's a, a real accent. No. You know, it doesn't really sound like Bella Lugosi. Anyway. Hey, talk like yep. a hick to you. She says there's a... Um an ICD-9 Kofor sucked into a jet engine. <laughs> okay, so look that up and I see will. if she's lying. I will. And, and we're using ICD-10 now, so keep up. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. And she might have said 10. Hell, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well, let's see what we got here. Oops. Uh-oh. Hey, Dr. Ooh, Steve, geez. I've got two questions. The first one is... I miss GVAC. Has the medical community figured out how oh. to cure death yet? No, and, and we've done this this one. Do we miss GVAC too? And uh, no, um, we haven't even. We're still working on defining death. We don't know how the brain, what the brain is. So right now, yeah. the the definition of death is cessation of brain activity. Mm-hmm. Um, when you cut somebody's head off on the guillotine, what my understanding was is people would go run up and look at them, and they'd have their eyes would be wide open, and they'd be trying to mouth words and stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Holy shit, no. I just can't even. So you stick your head in there, oh my God. and you know it's coming, <laughs> and then you hear it, and then the next thing you know, the world kind of turns sideways, <laughs> and you're going, you know, trying to. Or, or you're, it's like you're rolling downhill, but you're not really rolling downhill, because right. it's just your head. Yeah, rolling. it's just your stupid head. 
with this dumb look on your face but, of surprise. Like, what? What just? Why are mind. you surprised? <laughs> you must. You must got to be the worst. It's got to be that fucking noise. You know what I mean? The, the clink because you know they've just cut their or turned that chain loose. Yeah. It's like clink. Uh oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's got to be the this, longest quarter of a second <laughs> in history. This is gonna hurt. Oh. <laughs> And then if the stupid executioner hadn't, you know, the thing would have to be perfectly um, perpendicular to the ground. Oh, yeah. Or it it would get hung up or it would slow it down. Yeah. So you ever think about that? They had to set the damn thing upright. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had lots of practice. And grease it. (laughs) Let's let's see. Let's check out the thickness of this dude's neck. How how high are we going to raise that? That's awful. I, I do have a question if you've got if you want if you want to answer one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about from the game junkie? Um, do vaccines stick in your blood? Uh, dealing with polycythemia vera. Okay. Um, no, not really. So it, it, no. Well, they won't. Yeah. They. It's a, it, it, there's vaccines and then there's vaccines. So there's live, attenuated yes. vaccines, right. and those actually cause a mild infection. And a, a chickenpox vaccine is one of those. It's a live virus, mm-hmm. and uh, there are some others. <clears throat> and when you do a live virus like that, the effects of it will stay in your bloodstream in the sense that you will make antibodies against that virus and some of those will be detectable down the road you can detect whether someone has had chickenpox before because those viruses are still alive somewhere in their neurologic system i'm presuming that's why still generating a very mild inflammatory response <clears throat> or they're just very long lived you know covid the antibodies don't last that long mm-hmm. And uh, that's part of its evolutionary life cycle is it's, it, it lucked out at some point and uh, infected a, a population of humans and then was able to infect them again, you know, down the road. That's why you get multiple colds in your life. There aren't that many cold viruses running around, but you just don't get immune to them in a way that prevents you from getting infected. Coronaviruses are like that. Yeah. So... Uh, so if he's talking about mRNA vaccines, they're in your bloodstream very short period of time. Mm-hmm. mRNA, remember, is a s- string of uh, ribonucleic acid. So these are little you know, nucleotides strung together, and they're instructions to the cells on how to make the spike protein mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when those go in the cells, they'll inculcate themselves into the cells, and then the cells' ribosomes, which are the factories that make proteins, will then, uh, 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 you know, take in that mRNA, make the protein. The protein will make its way to the surface, and then that mRNA may get transcribed one or two more times, if that, and then it gets broken up and then used to make other mRNA instructions for other proteins. Okay. So those vaccines are gone really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it mimics an infection, which is why it's a, such a good vaccine because that spike protein ends up on the surface of the cell, and the uh, white blood cells go, oh hell, you know, you, you're not supposed to be there. This is a, an actual infection, mm-hmm. and so you get a little bit more robust immunity from that. Right on. But anyway, 
So, uh, yeah, and then if you look at flu vaccine, that's just proteins from the influenza, and they don't last very long at all. It lasts long enough. It stays at your arm long enough to generate inflammation, which the body uh, then uh, recognizes as foreign antigens. Uh, then, and that's what generates the inflammation. And then uh, the, the immune system forms complexes against it, and those circulate in your bloodstream long enough, hopefully, to keep you from dying from influenza if you get it. Gotcha. All right? Gotcha, gotcha. That's an excellent question. That's a very good question. And, uh, yeah, we don't have the technology to inject nanomachines into people yet. I would be all in favor of that in the future. What I'm hoping is in the future we will have – these um, nano machines that we will be able to inject and they will go into our brain and teach us how to speak Italian. Cool. How cool would that be? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to Italy next week. I need to get my Italian shot. Oh, my God. Can you imagine And that? it just rewire your brain. That'd Maybe it only lasts for, you know, two six, months or something. Yeah, six months or something. And then you lose it. Cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. That would be super cool. I don't know where that stuff resides in the brain. Today, last night, this is the craziest effing thing. I got in my head this uh, song, and it's called Viene Sul Mar. Okay. And what that is, is it means come to the sea in Italian. And it was a Three Stooges bit where this guy was singing this song, and they kept flicking cherries into his mouth. Hmm. And I was obsessed with finding it mm-hmm. because it had came into my the forefront of my consciousness fully formed. I remembered even the shades of black and white, sure. what stupid Curly was wearing, <laughs> you know, this sort of Love diva, it. opera diva outfit and the whole thing. And where, did, where the hell was that? that? I actually remember that, yeah. Where the hell was that in my brain? Uh, I don't know. It's in your brain, too, because yeah. you remember it. I actually now do that now that you're saying it. I remember it very well, yeah. Yeah, because the way he was dressed up, it was hilarious. What the hell? Yeah, like a girl. Big, big fancy. So, um... That to me blows my mind. Now, if we're going to upload our brain, our consciousness to computers, it's going to have to have stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm assuming we won't have pain, we won't have emotions like we do because you know the hormonally, uh, hormonally driven emotions. One can only hope. I'm hoping that you would wake <laughs> up and you would be a perfect consciousness, <laughs> right? Just having your experiences, but without any emotional overlay over it, but. It won't work right if you can't dredge up shit like that uh, at random from time to time, because that's part of our consciousness, too. Right. Part of the balance. I saw that effing cartoon when I was like six. Mm -hmm. It's been in there ever since. That's crazy. That's cool. Blows my mind. That's cool. Okay, doke. Let me see. Steroids, what are they? God, I did a bad job of cleaning out our things. Um, Let's do this one, though. It's your friendly respiratory therapist from Boston again. Hello. I'm just listening to your show on my way to work like I usually do on Sundays. Excellent. I'm sorry to hear that you had COVID, um, but anyway. Me too. It sucked. <laughs> this is the beginning of Respiratory Care Week. Um, okay. You know, nurses get recognized, nurses week, uh, all that good stuff. Well, it's Respiratory Care Week. Okay. So if you know any respiratory therapists, wish them a happy Respiratory Care Week. Started by actually President Ronald Reagan. Um, really? Have a great day. I'm listening to the Halloween stories now. Thanks for all you do. Bye-bye. Cool. So, uh, yes. So respiratory therapists, 
uh, get screwed, and they got screwed on this one too because I think Respiratory Care Week was like six weeks ago. <laughs> Just looking when it when was it? Well, thank yeah, you Oct- guys for all you do. <laughs> Sorry, October twenty fourth. <laughs> <laughs> so we're recording this when November twenty fourth. So yeah. we're exactly a month late. It's perfect. So there you it's go. Perfect. That's perfect. Right That's, on time for us. She was. She's not wrong. <laughs> they get screwed, and let me tell you something. While we're on the subject of respiratory therapists, they were the were truly at the front line of so much of this pandemic because <clears throat> when patients are really at risk for spraying the room with viral particles is when they're undergoing respiratory treatments, nebulizers, uh, BiPAP, CPAP, when they're when they're intubating them, you know, when you're putting the tube down somebody's throat to put them on life support or when you're taking that off and putting something else on. And then, you you know, when you take it off, it's like mm-hmm. and that's just everywhere. shooting viral particles everywhere. So mm-hmm. mad respect to respiratory therapists. I didn't know any that said, I'm, F, no, I'm not going in that room. They all did it. And, uh, you know, good for you. Thank you. Good, good, good. All right. We'll give them one of those. All right. So sorry I was so late. <laughs> Terrible. I'm the worst. All right. Um, we did the out-of-body experience, right? Didn't we do that one? Yep. We did. Okay. So let's do... Oh, let's go back. This is this goes way back. Uh, this used to be a real common question pre-COVID, and it's good that we're getting back to some normal things. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Steve. It's your old pal, Keith. Hey, Keith. Hey, Keith. hey buddy. I got a problem I'm running into here. Um, I have had low T for about 15 years, and I've been uh, on medication, uh, weekly shots. Okay. My levels are within the normal range, and my um, symptoms of low T have gone away. Okay, good. I've unfortunately moved and had to find a new doctor, and my new doctor, oh. for some reason, thinks that my dose is too high. Why? Um, even though I'm within proper range, and my symptoms have gone away. Um, and I'm curious, um, what is the normal range of a dose of <laughs> testosterone? I mean, obviously, it depends on how much you need, yeah. based on how much you don't have it or, right. or aren't making it. Um, but is there a level that you see or a doctor sees or another doctor sees, whatever, and and, and, uh, and red flags go off and say, hey, this is uh, too high of a dose, um, even though it's within no. the range of normal your testosterone levels like opioids there's no real ceiling dose to testosterone you give the patient enough to get their dose to achieve the effect you're looking for Mm -hmm. so many of my colleagues will just look at numbers so if the range is let's say it's 300 to 900 and you're 301 they will look at that and go well you're you're in the normal range i can't treat you yeah it's insane and that's uh, bullshit. Yeah, that's what ridiculous. That is. It is, uh, you know, it's... Um, well, that's because you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, it's been a long time since we've gone through this. The way they determine the normals is you take a 1,000 people, just, you know, just some random number of people, and you test them for testosterone. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, um, you can get a mean at number, 
-hmm. And then you can calculate the standard deviation. So you go two standard deviations from the mean. That's your normal range. The problem with that is when you do that is that um, most people who have low testosterone are not ever diagnosed and they're never treated. Mm -hmm. So that means that you're getting a bunch of people who have low testosterone. It's physiologically low. But they're being included in that sample, and they're skewing the normal low so that the low normal range is actually uh, uh, should be considered low, particularly if they are uh, symptomatic. They're symptomatic, right. So that's the key. Hmm. So there have been studies that have shown that if you have, quote, unquote, low normal testosterone and you have the symptoms of low testosterone, which are... You well, to, insomnia, uh, fatigue, um, not being able to gain muscle mass, okay. um, low sex drive, unable yeah. to have good, you know, media erections. There you go. All of the above. Give yourself a bill. Those are pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Physical weakness, fatigue, yeah. low uh, libido. I don't have to repeat it. You said them all right. Yeah. So, yes. <clears throat> so if you have those, studies have shown that if you treat those low normal testosterones, those people will uh, achieve benefit in what we call health-related quality of life. Mm -hmm. Because that's really what we're doing with low testosterone, right. is we're trying to make people feel better when we when we give them hormone replacement therapy. Right. So uh, you give how much you need, and uh, that's pretty effing stupid. Now, I will say that just because Dr. X prescribed something is not a reason for Dr. Y to do it. Right. So if they're not comfortable with it, go to a urologist. So They'll be else, fine. Yeah. They'll be fine with it, yep. unless they're, you know, an idiot. Yeah, I agree 100%. Unless they have cotard syndrome, too. <laughs> <laughs> I have got one from uh, from um, O'Neill, if, if, if you need another question. This is a Good time medical question show, Good my friend. So, yes. Here we go. Is it possible to reverse and cure non-alcoholic fatty liver disease with lifestyle changes? Yes. Or is stopping in advance all you can do? So the answer would be yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you so want to talk about it for a minute? Yeah, sure. So We'll talk about what NASH is first. I'm sorry, talking about what? NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was having trouble hearing. <clears throat> oh, are you okay Mike. now? Yeah, Mike. I think I no, your mic's it. fine. It's your headphones. No, it's my headphones, yeah. That's yeah. what I meant to say. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, so the NASH, um, it's going to be, uh, we see it a lot, and, and people are certainly overweight, um, and and it's associated with a lot of um, comorbidities, possibly diabetes, um, certainly um you know, that would be that metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome. And hypertension. Hypertension. Obesity and all that stuff. But all, go ahead. All the above. Um, but it's been shown to um, actually be able to, to, to be greatly improved and reversed with diets diets low in, in fatty foods, fried foods, high in vegetables, you know, kind of the Mediterranean diet, and, um, and certainly increasing exercises and, and lowering body fat. Yep. Yeah. So, and it doesn't sound like a treatment. Hmm. But it is. But it is. It actually yeah. is the treatment. Yeah, yeah there's no there's no great pills or or interventions for this as far as surgical interventions or anything. You know, it's just if you can do it through diet and exercise, that's the perfect way to control yeah. it. Yeah. So these people will get cirrhosis just like alcoholics. Right. And uh maybe never touched alcohol in their never life. Never touched it in their life. Yeah. And it tends to, I've seen it run in families and also I'm just gonna throw this out there for the people out there that are um uh, diagnosticians, we have a few listening. Mm. 
in our area particularly, but I, I'm sure this is true other places, that there is a, um, a genetic disorder called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. And those people, when you get two of those genes, you have bad lungs, bad liver. There's all kinds of bad things that can happen to you. We have a treatment for it now where you actually give people the the component that they're missing, which is called alpha-1 antitrypsin. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, if you only have one of the genes, some of those people will manifest as fatty liver and non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So one of the things you want to do is if you have that, get yourself checked for that mm-hmm. just to see because – uh, it won't affect how you treat this so much, mm-hmm. but it's really good to know if you're passing that gene down to the next generation. Right. And it's, is it a blood test, Dr. Steve? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, just pretty, a blood pretty test. Pretty simple blood test. Yep. So I agree with everything that Scott said. Healthy diet, fruits, vegetables, low carb. I, I you know, the... The uh, National Association for Liver, whatever the hell, American Liver Foundation, <laughs> they, they say, you know, a diet high in whole grains. I disagree. I think um, a lower carbohydrate Agreed. diet, but certainly Agreed. a low glycemic index diet, right. which would be brown bread, brown pasta, you know, uh, yellow potatoes, mm-hmm. not no white bread, no white pasta, no white potatoes kind of thing. Uh, but if you can cut out some carbs at the same time and increase your intake of green leafy vegetables and lean animal protein, it, again, it sounds like we say this for everything, but it is a treatment for NASH, and it's a very effective one. Yep. So can be. And you got to catch it early. If you've already gotten into cirrhosis, it's a problem. But mm. the liver can regenerate itself if you can stop insulting it. Yep. Stop saying, you, you're fatty liver. <laughs> You're bad, anyway. fatty liver. Now, there are some medications that you can take for this, particularly if you have high triglycerides and there are things that they can, your, your primary care provider can talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you have non alcoholic steatohepatitis, steato just means something related to fat, hepatitis, hepato is liver, itis is inflammation, so it's fatty liver infiltrate or you know inflammation got gotcha. you break these words down they start making sense um you want to avoid drinking alcohol you know and tylenol mm, that's going to be a problem too it, you know tylenol is metabolized in the liver why stress your liver out anymore yeah so yeah, but talk to your health care provider about yeah. that we shouldn't be you know giving uh specific information about yeah. it but anyway sure all right yeah, excellent question. Yeah, good stuff. All right, thank you. Hi, Dr. Steve. This is Phil in Tampa. I'm calling uh, about a, an incident that happened to me a few months ago. Okay, hey, Phil. And it's a little long. I'll try to keep it concise. Um, That's fine. I was hospitalized back in April, and they diagnosed me with a uh, AFib in my heart, and I also had what they called a small TIA, which is a, a small stroke, I guess. Yep. Um, and when I was in the hospital... TIA is a transient ischemic attack, and it's, it manifests like a stroke, but it goes away. Hmm. Okay. Right. Well, they had no idea what caused it. They were, were really grasping at straws, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. They just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a CAT scan, an MRI, several EKGs. Um, what else? Uh, the thing where they put the stuff on your head to check your brain. Yeah. I had a bunch of tests that came back negative. That's a brainwave study. 
after that, I met with my primary care doctor, I met with a cardiologist, and I met with a neurologist. And originally, the only thing that they saw could have caused this from happen, to happen was I had a lot of caffeine. Now, granted, I, I drink Diet Coke a lot, and I was drinking an energy drink, but I wasn't, like, you know, chugging them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that maybe the caffeine just kind of overloaded the heart, which led to the TIA. Yeah, uh, the I symptoms I had were uh, nausea, uh, vomiting, dizziness. Uh, I wasn't speaking correctly, uh, and they just think that the caffeine did it. But later on, after a lot of blood work, my neurologist discovered that something called homocysteine, oh. my level was was elevated pretty high, um, which was caused by the, I had low B12 and low folic acid. So oh, I, guess I know the answer. I, I know the vitamins, answer. That's not it, though. the homocysteine level, which somehow led to this event to happen. There's some, my, I, I'm going to bet if he gets a certain test, I'm going to recommend that I'm going to be right. Okay. So I think I know exactly what this is. I can tie this all together. Two questions are. Yeah. One, I'm sorry, based on this very limited information, does that sound like that could be the case? Mm-hmm. And two, what exactly is homocysteine? Um, I don't really know what that is or, or how it affects the body. Obviously, if it's too high, it can do some damage. Uh, but that was all. So thank you so much, and I uh, love the show as always, and talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for giving us an opportunity to sound smart. So I think what he has is a genetic defect. And you can do 23andMe and then go into your data. They've got this data thing that you can then go through all of your different uh, uh, chromosomes and kind of plow through those. I think he has MTHFR uh, gene <laughs> abnormality. And I know it sounds like motherfucking. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. But it's a methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And if he has a mutation of that, what will it do? It will um, cause um, a, um, a, a difficulty uh, absorbing folic acid and B12. So you have to take special B12. It's the, these things are called, they're called methylated, uh, you know, versions of B12 and folic acid. Mm-hmm. And once you start taking that, all of this stuff, a lot of this stuff will go away. Your homocysteine level comes back down. If you start getting neuropathy, which is where mine came from, uh, it'll also get better. So uh, my best friend from um, residency, Rebecca Sherish, was the one who turned me on to this. And I thought that was really very interesting. So, um, you know, homocysteinemia uh, it can also uh, increase your risk for um, heart attack and stroke and that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, so I'm just going to – this is from Medscape because I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, elevation of the homocysteine level in blood has been referred to as homocysteinemia. So anytime you hear – Something emia, that means that something's elevated in the blood. And um, so increased homocysteine levels associated with higher risk of strokes. And um, increased carotid plaque thickness, that's thickness of, you know, of the arteries going into the neck, has been associated with high homocysteine and low B12 levels. So get tested for that MTHFR gene. And if I'm right, I'll send you a weird medicine cup as a 
a surprise for me being right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but that would that would account for a lot of this. Yeah, I think it's almost all of them actually. I found out I had it through twenty three in me. Yeah, and that interesting because I had all the symptoms and my homocysteine levels were elevated, and I went plowing through my twenty three and me whatever that database is mm-hmm. that you have on uh, on yourself, and there it was. I was. Uh, uh, heterozygous for it, which means I'm a carrier for it, so I didn't have the full-blown syndrome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, all it did was just give me these bad nerves and and uh, that's part of that's risk. part of why you had the bad nerves, my friend. Yeah, well, you think it's the statins, <laughs> I know, but, and you may be right. You may yep, be right. But, yep, yep. But I can't stop taking those because I have high homocysteinemia. I mean, high homocysteine levels. So, do you see a you know. new report? And I'll seriously, real quick, yeah, um, they were saying that, and I'll find the the, the report. Um, statins once a week. Equally as effective as once a day. I have, I have I will heard look, but I will, look, I will look it up for you. So, dude, you found the, the study that you were talking about, though? Yes, sir. Yes, okay, sir, before right, we go, we'll do that. Yep, right here on PubMed. Just, okay. It's just the efficacy of, um, of rosuvastatin in patients that could not tolerate the statins previously. Okay, rosuvastatin being Crestor. Yeah. So that is, that's the brand name. It is a statin drug. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it inhibits HMG-CoA's reductase. And HMG-CoA reductase tends to operate and make cholesterol when you're not eating. So right. that's why they tell you to take it at bedtime, and then it start it does all of its work uh, at night when you're asleep. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Well, the the conclusion is that once a week, this is this is this. They did this specifically for folks that needed to lower the LDL. Yeah. And and the, but couldn't tolerate the statins. Just once a week of of this particular medication was effective and well tolerated, lowering. The uh, LDL, oh. getting people down towards skull. Yeah. Um, and the, for, for folks that, that had such terrible myalgias or muscle pains That's that they me. couldn't tolerate. Yeah, they couldn't I tolerate. I take it anyway. Yeah. I would say, you know, but if you can get the, if not identical, but a, almost identical result in your in your numbers, taking it once a week versus daily. But, you know, my, my concern about this is yeah. it's not just about the numbers. The... the if you ta- there's a drug called Zetia, mm-hmm. and if you take it, you can lower your LDL. Right. You don't lower your risk of heart attack and stroke, at least not to the extent that you do with a statin. Okay. Statins also have something else that they're doing if it's anti-inflammatory action mm-hmm. or something that actually produces um, a decrease in heart attack and stroke. So I would want to see an outcome study that says, yeah, we prevented just as many heart attacks and strokes. Okay. Now- uh, the the truth of the matter is to prevent one heart attack, you still have to treat like thirty nine people. It's some number like that. Yeah. A, you know, it's called the number needed to treat. It's not like if uh, you take these, you're magically not going to have a heart attack, right. and if you don't take them, you're magically going to have a heart attack. Right. So it's all about risk mitigation, and it decreases the incidence, but. We've uh, we've discussed number needed to treat, and I don't have those numbers in front of me because it took me a little bit by surprise on on this topic. But um, we can discuss it sometime in the future if people want to know the actual number. But uh, if, let's just say you have a thousand people in one group and a thousand people in another group, and on the and you give a drug. Uh, to the th- one th- one of those groups, a thousand people, in the other group you give them a placebo. And in the uh, drug group, the ones that you gave the active drug to, 
you uh, see seven heart attacks. In the placebo group, you see 10 heart attacks. Now, that's out of 1,000 people. Yep. So, but you could say we had a 30% decrease in heart attack and, you know, heart attack in this group. Yep. So that's the relative improvement. Doesn't always tell the answer. So what we want to do is we want to know the absolute improvement. And then we calculate the number needed to treat. So in this case, the absolute improvement would be 3 divided by 1,000. Do you have a calculator in front of you? Mm-mm. No, but I can, I can make one. Okay. Here we well, go. Hang on one second. Okay, I got one. I got one. I beat you. Okay. So 3 divided by, well, I know what 3 divided by 1,000 is. It's going to be 333. <laughs> three. Okay. Lots of threes. Uh, or, I'm sorry, point zero zero three, And then you take the inverse of that. So 1 divided by point zero zero three. Ah, shit, you son of a bitch. It's going to be 333. 1 divided by point oh oh three. God dang it, is 333. So in this particular case... Okay, well, we'll just... Liam, you're on Weird Medicine. You there? Hello? Yeah, you're on Weird Medicine. Did you do it? No, I'm doing a show, but we're almost done, and I promise I'll do it as soon as we get off. I'm sitting at the gas station. Okay, you know what? It's it's fine. It's fine. We're going to stop the show. Oh, wait, no. Don't. Uh-huh. Oh, for God's no, sake. No, too late. Too late. I'm sitting here, and I oh, can't. I'm going to get you some right now. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I have zero. Yeah, I get. Zero I get it. I get it. No, don't stop. I feel bad now. You <laughs> should. You should feel awful. <laughs> you know, I'm just messing with you. No, I can edit this out, or I can leave it in, just depending on you know how I feel about you at the time. I feel like a giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like what? Wait, say that again. A giant penis. A giant penis. <laughs> yes. Well, we're not talking about your genitalia, bro. <laughs> Not on this show. We're not, Positive thinking. We're not yeah. that kind Positive of a show. Thinking. So let's see. Funds transfer. How much should we transfer to old Liam's account? Gas prices today, you better go I only need not much. Okay. I, like, like, I just need to get a tank so I can get home and go to Speedway and Lights tonight. Oh, you're going to Speedway and Lights? Okay. And who calls when they need money? <laughs> well, have a little forward forward thinking. <laughs> I need one million dollars. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There you go. All right, uh, hang on, hang on. We got to see if it goes through. Jesus, this is riveting. This will be deleted from the show. <laughs> no, I think you should leave it. You think so? Okay. All right. Well, if I could make it in any way funny or entertaining, I would. But okay, that you should have some money in there now. Okay. Okay. All right, buddy. All right. Okay, I'll see you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's hilarious. Maniac. Nothing like thinking ahead. No. Well, anyway. <laughs> hey, you and I were that age once. It's been a long time, though. You it, know? It has been a long time. <laughs> it's been almost 50 years for me. Uh, God but I remember it acutely, so it's totally fine. <laughs> now, you know, the one thing I'll give him oh is that when I was his age, I had already wrecked every single one of my dad's cars. No shit. He had a regular Jeep. He had a Willys, 1955 Willys Jeep, and then he had a nice car, and I wrecked all three oh, of them. Oh, God. By the time, you know, he was this whole. So I'll give him that. And uh, he's never, knock on wood, we're good so far. Yep. So Keep I'll, it up. Keep it yeah. up, kid. And he gets straight A's in college. So if he needs 
25 50 bucks every once in a while you know what what else is dad here for because <laughs> he ain't nope. gonna listen to anything else i do Nope. all right so in the, our case that we had he would uh we would need to treat 333 people to prevent one heart attack okay okay so that is the number needed to treat and that's the best way that i can imagine to explain how that works so the number for statins is less than that mm. but it, and it depends on whether you're treating to prevent the first heart attack or the second one mm. and the, the numbers are different and they the drug companies will not tell you this stuff they'll tell you the relative improvement they'll say you know we have a you know 40 percent reduction in heart attack and stroke they won't give you this number right but it has to by law the data has to be in their package insert and if you get that little package insert that's that little white piece of paper that you can unfold mm-hmm. and it's got all that information on it a long strip of paper it'll be in there and you can calculate it your damn self right on. so maybe uh if you'll remind me let's next time uh, maybe Maybe it'll be interesting to people. We'll do that. We'll calculate it for statins, and we could do it for other drugs, too. Sounds good. Okay. All right, brother. All right, buddy. All right, guys. We out of here. Let's do it. All right. Happy well, Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, it's already over. Yeah. Oh, no. No, if I get this posted tonight, we'll get it in a day. Anyway, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofchersky, Chowdy 1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Horror, the Saratoga Skank, the Florida Floozy, Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, she who owns pigs and snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, uh, Holly from the Gulf, Christopher Watkins Double, a.k.a. Steve Tucci, the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Cardiff Electric, Casey's Wet T-Shirt, Carl's Deviated Septum, the inimitable Vincent Paulino, Eric Zane, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and, of course, our dear departed friend, Fez Watley, who will never be forgotten, and all of them who supported this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Uh, many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, buddy. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. Any questions from the uh, from out there? Richard. Oh, Richard Kish is here. He is my buddy who um, enjoys King Crimson as much as I do. Oh, goodness. They have a new live album. It's I've called, heard. I don't know, Music for Friends or something like that. And it's all the same shit that yep. they play. I mean, I saw the concert. It's all the same stuff. But apparently this recording is primo. Most of their recordings are pretty decent. And the other thing about it is um, it's just it's the, probably their last performance in the United States, maybe. And because Robert Fripp is no spring chicken and neither is, uh, you know, Tony Levin. And hell, I don't know how the hell old uh, uh, poor old. Uh, oh, shit. Uh Oh, I'm Uh-oh. having a senior moment. Senior moment. Anyway, the other guy. 
is. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And I also heard that, like, Gavin Harrison is playing with his own band now. So I think they uh, they may be done. So I'm going to have to pick that one up. But anyway, uh, let me see. Yeah. Onur says, uh, please don't burn slash or choke yourself accidentally with that stupid dry bird. If you brine it, it will not be it will not be dry. Or what I discovered, because I have to work on Thanksgiving, um, I'm I'm going to pressure cook a turkey breast. Okay. I figured you'd sous-vide. I've done that before, sous-vide. I've done the sous-vide. It's hard to get one in a a bath big enough. But I'm telling you, you put a turkey breast, if it'll fit in your your, uh, pressure cooker, you have to put it up on a trivet, and every one of those comes with it. And then you just put a little bit of uh, chicken stock in there, enough to get the thing boiling so you get the pressure up and it takes 35 minutes i mean there's a formula for it yeah and it's perfect it's juicy um if you want it to look more like a roasted turkey you throw it under the broiler for a minute or two when you're done and then you make gravy out of the stuff that's in there it's amazing sounds good yep no need to have a dry bird nope okay Don't don't do it yeah, okay. Ornwer says I, we should leave that in the podcast. I'll edit it down. A father's most important duty is to make sure his kids are embarrassed forever. <laughs> <laughs> Tee-hee. I love it. Oh, look, Amanda's here. Yeah, we got a big crew today. Wow. Really good crew. Amanda Swan. That's good crew. Now, she is one of my Moogfest friends, and okay. she is, I don't want to say, but she is, she's awesome. She's a friend. Yes. Yeah, she's She's awesome. And then there's, oh, I see Amy's in there. I, I sound like Romper Room again. I see Amy. Mm-hmm. I see Amanda. I see Scott. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, you missed a question. Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. If you get eight, yeah, I know. If you, make, if you get HPV vaccine in your late 30s, and at some point in your 20s, you already got three of the nine strains of the vaccine. Can you still spread? Yes, you can still spread those three strains to someone else. And the if if let's just say magically you were lucky enough to not be exposed to subtype 16 or some of the other naughty ones, I still think that the vaccine would be beneficial in preventing you from contracting and transmitting those. But yeah, that HPV vaccine doesn't keep you from getting genital warts. It keeps you from getting the ones that'll kill you. Mm -hmm. So you still got to wrap that rascal. We don't have a vaccine yet that allows us to just have unprotected sex with whoever we want or whomever we want. No. And Doug in Boston says, uh, we demand Dr. Steve does the show in his favorite British accent. The crazy thing is, I've got all the Appalachian accents down. (laughs) I can't do a British accent for shit. Nope. But I can play you some of my favorites. And I really do like the Essex accent and then the Manchester accent. I like it a lot, too. (laughs) Because Ys become A's. So they'll say Keela instead of Keely. They'll say what? Keela. Okay. I know that. And did you ever find that ICD-10 code for sucked into a jet engine? There actually is one. (laughs) That's so crazy. There really is one, yeah. And the sequel of one, which is even crazier. Okay. Now, talk like a Hicks, and that's our friend Amy, with Jimmy on Yellowstone. Yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. Oh, getting laid after uh, having a broken hip. 
do I have to lay my husband after his double hip replacement <laughs> next month? He thinks it's okay. I said yes. I'm going to say, not if, no, not in a million years. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't blow him or anything. <laughs> well, see, I was, I was, I was thinking, well, I... You know, yeah, it was Amanda. Good blood, good blood flow to his hips. You know, helps him heal faster. Amanda came with her friend John, and John has been on the show. Amanda's been on the show. I don't know if you met her. Amanda, answer. I think so. Did you meet Doctor Scott when you were here? Because I can't remember who was here, and we had Super Android Twenty Three once, mm-hmm. and that was Daniel. And mm-hmm. uh, but that's my band. We just call any house band that's here that's doing electronic music Super Android Twenty Three. And uh, John, who is um, Logan Field on uh, Twitter, or was until he got banned because he got cued. He got Q and on infected oh my god yeah don't that's all we need to say yeah, it's enough but that. yeah he got he started posting some things that that apparently twitter wasn't cool with <laughs> and he got banned permanently banned from twitter but anyway uh yeah so but that's the first time i met amanda and so we've all kept in touch ever since then we've got our little core group of moogfest people even though moogfest no longer exists no. yes all right. Well, listen, everybody. Thank you. Have a great holiday. We'll be back next week, and we'll keep doing these. We'll try to make these live streams uh, better and better. I've got somebody helping me with the graphics, so it's not just we're on the top half, and then there's black space with white lettering on the bottom half. I'm trying to make it a little bit more highfalutin for next time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Everybody take care, and thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you. Let me see. You get nothing. You lose! Good day, sir! Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.